Hi everyone, welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to this year's Oscars. I'm Nick Rookrout. And I'm Sophia Simonello. And today we're really excited to share our interview with Donald Moat, who is nominated for makeup and hairstyling on Dune. You all know I love Dune. We learned a lot about the subtleties in crafting this world that is so big, but still can feel really small. This interview made me have such a deeper appreciation for makeup and hairstyling as a category, like as a craft at the Oscars and definitely like something that should be celebrated. And he was just lovely. I feel like we learned so much about the movie and I also have a greater appreciation for the movie now, just with everything he talked about with the characters. (laughs) And just to tease, we got some great insight into Oscar Isaac and (laughs) Timothy Chalamet. So definitely stick around for that. I feel like you all as our listeners are going to be very happy about that. (laughs) Some great follow-up to Smasher Pass. It was obviously we had to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I could like feel myself blushing as he was talking about Oscar (laughs) Isaac's beard. So (laughs) with that... Enjoy our interview with Donald Moat. So with us today, we have Donald Moat, who is the makeup department head and makeup hair and prosthetic designer on Dune, my favorite movie of 2021. So I'm very excited to talk to him today. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. And congratulations on your Oscar nomination. That's huge. Thank you. It is huge. Yeah, it took... um... A long time coming and very deserved. Thank you. And you've worked with Dini on some other films before, Blade Runner 2049, Sicario, Prisoners. What was it like working with him again on such a personal project? Well, you know, for me, he's, I mean, he's, you know, you you hate to say favorites in in a business like this, but, you know, he really is. Uh, I'm very fortunate and very, uh, I'm just the luckiest guy in the world to get to work on films that he makes. And you know, there's a handful of directors like that, and he is one of them. So uh, I've been very, uh, it's been an incredible journey and that film particularly. So, you know, it's something you never think you'll work on, especially because I've been around such a long time, it kind of hits you that I've been doing it for 30, I don't know. Somebody told me the other day it was 37 years and I wanted to slap them when they told me that. <laughs> 30, but it was more like 37. And then I thought, oh God. But it just goes to show you, and it should remind other people who are working or want to be in the industry, whether it's doing what I do or, you know, costume or, you know, scenic or any other department, that it really takes a long time. You know, you might be at it for 30 years until you get to do the kind of project you really aspire to be on. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. We were just so impressed with like how realistic Dune feels as a movie like looking at the makeup, the cinematography, we talked about this with visual effects. And we love how it's just like building around into the desert and like depicting this desert life required so many of the characters to wear things like headdresses, coverings, helmets. Can you talk about maybe how you found ways to showcase the makeup and hair like underneath that and maybe your collaboration with the costume department? Well, everybody, I mean, the one thing on this film you know, working, well, visual effects, so Paul Lambert and, you know, Jacqueline West and Bob Morgan, uh, costumes, every particular, you know, Greg Fraser, every department, we all are sort of interwoven and overlap on every level. So there's certain 
certain things I'll go to Paul about um, talking about the eye color because that is, of course, a CG thing. Um, Jackie and I would have meetings about head coverings or helmets on the Harkonnen or the Fremen. So what part of the hair of, you know, Zendaya are we going to see? And, but everybody works together and we really help each other. Can, you know, can you cover this for me? Are you okay with that? Are we, you know, um, it doesn't happen all the time. It should, but it doesn't always go that way. And often people work for no other reason than everybody has to really work and protect their own interests. And, and the business has changed a lot, but in, in Dune on a Denis Villeneuve film, everyone is there to make, help him tell the story, his vision since he was a kid, tell the story of Dune. And it wasn't my vision since I was 13, it's his vision. So um, I'm happy to be along for the ride, uh, but certainly working with Jackie and Bob was incredible because like the Harkonnen, you know, we had to figure out those Harkonnen, the armor sits to here. So the, with the makeup and then bald caps and, and eyebrow covers and, you know, Chani played by, you know, Zendaya, like we're going to braid her hair. And then there's a, you know, she's going to have something covering her hair. Are we going to pin it? But why would she have a pin? Like, why would you pin your hair? You're a Fremen. Where's this bobby pin mm -hmm. coming from? <laughs> These are things you have to think about. And, you know, I had one big thing in the film. I still am not recovered from it. With Rebecca in the still suit. So they're kidnapped and they're taken on the ornithopter. And I love that whole sequence. And so she goes from looking so beautiful and serene inside. Mm -hmm. And then you see her in the ornithopter and suddenly she's kind of messy. And then they go through. But it was like, yeah, but she should have maybe been asleep with her hair pulled back and maybe braided or something. But of course, she can't run through the desert like that, can she? The hair's got to be wild. Mm -hmm. work. But you have to think of these things. You have to lie awake at night like every other department and go, <laughs> what am I going to do? So we all turn up in the morning with no sleep and look bleary eyed, you know, at five in the morning thinking, what did you do last night? Well, I wondered <laughs> what would happen to Rebecca's hair. Um, so that's the kind of thing we do. And with all of those thoughts that you have, is it something you go to Denis with like every day or pretty often and say, oh, I thought about this last night. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. Or he's got bigger fish to fry. I think that sometimes I do. I mean, there's I've worked with him enough. I mean, apart from Patrice has worked with him the same, maybe more, actually more. But I've worked with him so much now. It feels that I, I know when to go to him. I know when to text him and it usually is serious. I know when, which is rare. And I know when to phone him and I know when to email. And someone said, just go to the set and say, okay, this is the situation. But I feel like he trusts that I am handling everything on his behalf and I can sort of do my thing. But once in a while, no, he's got so much going on um, that occasionally I would say, you know, I think, Jason Momoa, I really don't think he should have a scar here because it's too similar to Josh Brolin. I mean, that's something I would rather bring to him to say, yeah, I think maybe you're right and not make an executive decision. Other times I will make a decision and I feel like it's my job to just say, I think that's a big mistake. And he'll, you know, but I think, you know, director and there are other films where directors like to micromanage us, which I don't entirely agree with, but everyone's different and you just have to respect how they work and it's your choice to work with them or not. Yeah. It's so good to hear that he's so collaborative. I think it's, it's really, um, 
I would say it's more traditional the way maybe it used to be. Mm. I, I don't know when it changed. I have noticed, I mean, I've worked with great directors. I'm very fortunate. I'm really fortunate, but, uh, but there are, I do hear from friends of mine that feel that it's changed where, you know, actors have decided what the look will be. And that was never like that. You know, it was never where someone says, I'm not wearing that. I'm not doing that. You're like, oh, well, yeah, but the director's the director. That's how it was. You know what I mean? When I started, you didn't decide I'm not wearing this makeup because, uh, but I think Denis has, people really do listen to him and that actors would like to be in his film. And so if you're in his film, then you have to kind of do what he would like within mm -hmm. reason. No. I mean, it works. I don't think maybe there's no wrong way to handle that, but his movies are incredibly made, collaborative, seamless. So I, I mean, everything here fits. You've talked about the characters a little bit. So how did you distinguish them apart, like as families? Or how did you contrast looks based on the planet they were on? I think, you know, keeping them separate, mm -hmm. but then also when they meld together, like when the Baron comes and invades Arrakis and he's at that long table and he's right. with the Duke. I think that's cool to see them apart and then also together because they have such different looks. Um, well, it's interesting. I'm so glad you're asking because in the world of, of the family, I mean, so we're talking about sort of the noble family of the Duke. So between Rebecca Ferguson and, and Timmy and Oscar, Initially, I did not see Oscar Isaac with a beard, by the way, that happened later. And I guess when he discussed with, with Denis that he would grow a beard and I thought, okay, well, fine. Um, it made sense. Then I got it because Josh Brolin was gonna have this goatee and then you start to piece together because everything sort of goes in a domino effect, doesn't it? And as you start to try to build the characters with costume with everybody, then it pieces together because you think, well, Oscar, okay, that makes sense. And then Oscar's got the gray in his hair, which we're going to add to, and we're going to put some gray in his beard and age him a little. The wave in his hair lends to what mm -hmm. Timmy has, that wavy, wild hair. Mm -hmm. And then the paleness of Rebecca is the paleness of Timmy. So they're, you know, you have to start looping in how, how are they connected? So Timmy and Rebecca, mother and son, Rebecca and Charlotte, there's a connection. So you have to start linking up how they look the face, the makeup, the hair. And then with the Baron, once we determined the Baron would be pale and bald and hairless, this sort of alopecia thing, then once I decided with Denis, that's what Stellan would be, then I could set the look for all the Harkonnen. And then I take on Dave Batista, David the Smallchin, and then the slave girls. So everything kind of follows after that. So I kind of create the palette of those makeups are kind of bone color. And the only change I made was the soldiers and this were much more dramatic. Dave Batista and the soldiers would be really dramatic looking makeups with the brow covers and bald, whereas the Baron is a still more human color to his skin. Dave Batista and, and then of course, David DeSmalchin with the Mentat tattoo. And his baldness is different because he's a Mentat. You know, so it's a different style. His bald cap's totally different than the other people's, right? Oh, so it's still different. It's totally built differently. And that was intentional. So he looks a little bit, I don't want to say alien, but he does yeah. kind of, sort mm -hmm. of. But we don't say that. And, and then David's just such a unique 
interesting look within that world. So everybody kind of appears, and that's kind of how you lend to the Sartaker and then the Fremen. And so the Fremen, then you have Sharon Duncan Brewster as Dr. Dr. Keynes, Kynes, however people say it, and, and Javier Bardem. So each, you kind of, once you establish each of those principal actors, then you kind of work on your background to be like Fremen people, they're tattooed, they're dusty, they have tribal influences in their hair, like some dreadlocks and sister locks and uh, natural textured hair, um, that kind of thing. Our next question really goes perfectly because our listeners, I think, would be sad if we didn't thank you for Oscar Isaac's beard and Timothy Chalamet's hair in this movie. Looks just amazing. I think, like, you talked a little bit about how you wanted to like create their looks as a family. But I am curious too, with the differences between Duke Leto and Paul, like they're both in House Atreides, but they're very different as like leaders and as characters. Can you talk about maybe how hair and makeup like informs their characters a little bit? Well, I think with, with Oscar Isaac, I mean, I think because he had prep time in New York to kind of grow his hair a little bit in his beard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came in later, as I said. So it's a little bit, he came with the beard. I know when I first made him up with the camera test, I don't even know if we did a camera test. I can't remember. Um, a lot of our actors, we didn't camera test. I know that we style at uh, Cheryl Daniels did his hair and Joe McNeil did his makeup. I mean, my team get a lot of credit because initially like Dave Batista, I did without a camera test, but Timmy, for instance, I did makeup and hair tests with him, got that hair. Mm-hmm. The hair is the hair, but it's very hard to keep things like that simple. He's got a tremendous mane of hair. What we did was one early on, if you really look at the start of the piece, the start of the film, his hair is more controlled. It's very tamed, right? It's mm-hmm. quite boyish. It's it's a little androgynous too, but it's it's um, it's tamed. It's controlled. And it gets bigger and more mane-like as he gets to the desert with his mother. And what I thought was really interesting in both their hair and makeup was by the time we get through the film, she becomes more girlish. Do you see what I mean? Because we'd made her look a bit older with that kind of Grace Kelly, but the like chignon, the hair up, mm-hmm. a beautiful clean makeup. But then she's action woman fighting the Fremen. And Timmy turns into like young Hamlet. He becomes like a prince of the desert, doesn't he? And that hair is a wild mane. Mm-hmm. And I think Oscar, um, he really, that whole thing is like on the Romanovs, the Russian royal mm-hmm. families. And he, if you really look at him, we, um, one thing I, I noticed the beard was too, the beard was too square and I really wanted to try to get it more, more of a point to it. Um, if you look at pictures of the current, like Queen Elizabeth, British queen, her cousin, Prince Michael of, of Kent, that is really what he sort of looks like. Um, at the uniforms, you know, the whole military feel to it. Uh, and we aged him a little bit. So that uh, when he sees the Baron, that's a moment where he's quite vulnerable, but also it's very beautiful. I mean, it's like Italian mm-hmm. painting, isn't it? He's lying there in the chair. It was almost a bit too beautiful. I think Denis was like, stop. I think I put some oil or Denis <laughs> enough already. I think we made him a little bit poster boy. Uh, that Denis was like, take that off him. Um, and uh, it, was, it was quite good. But I think that's that was interesting. And Timmy's hair, of course, is his trademark. And in a film like Dune, you have to be very careful to not 
turn something like that into, I don't want to say a joke, but you don't want to turn it into a parody where mm -hmm. the hair becomes a distraction. Because I really didn't think it was. I just think we had to be careful that it didn't become too much and, you know, trim it when it's appropriate. And it's, it's a very difficult thing for a young man to have that kind of hair and that <laughs> much hair, you know. But the girls, everybody, the boys, everybody loved that on a young a young man it's just it's how we had it in the 70s and that's how people looked yeah you know? it is very 70s you've talked a little bit about the transition or how things devolve as the chaos ensues and as their timmy and rebecca are thrown into the desert so were there subtleties in your designs with the film splits of knowing that there's a part two were you controlling what these characters looked like, knowing what they're going to become in the next film? Well, it's funny you should ask that because there were a couple of people who don't, you know, there's always somebody who kind of doesn't know on a set and will say, why aren't they tanned? And, you know, there's always somebody on a set will say that in another department, which usually will annoy me to no end. And I think, oh, and I thought, well, okay, for all the experts here, you have to have somewhere to go. Now, they only landed. That was my sort of thing is when you look at a film, I think in the bigger picture, especially as a makeup designer or as, as for anybody, what, whatever you're doing, you have to look at the big picture. They've only just arrived. When did the suntan happen? Where's the sun? Where are these elements? It's been windy. It's cold. They're freezing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think it's very interesting to me. Some people don't. You have to feel that, you know, there's a bit of sweatiness in that tent. Uh, there's tension, whatever, but they've only landed. It's not a long, they haven't been there for weeks. But yes, I was looking ahead going, what happens? Where do we go from here? What will happen to them? And I really think you have to be very careful in films to not do too much too soon. Audiences are very savvy. Um, and I'm very quick to notice that because you have to edit, although Joe Editor is the best editor in the business. But I always call him up because we're quite good friends outside of work. I'll say, but really, like, what really would happen? I mean, we have a nice transition for them. You know, Kaladin, Eric, you know, Arrakis, the whole ornithopter sequence. But really, what will happen? We have that image of her with the tattoos. Mm -hmm. I mean, enough. Like, you can only do so much. So that's kind of where I'm at with it is... It's storytelling, it's it's delicate, less is more. I think people take it for what it is. And we had those beautiful images of, of Chani and, and the visions, right? Like the hand going in to the spice and all that. I loved that with the visions, like seeing the face tattoos and seeing maybe what these characters look like in the other characters' minds. That was something that I really, really liked about the yeah, movie yeah. for sure. Yeah, that was... For me, that was exciting. I mean, it could be, I mean, there's a hand in there. I'm probably going to get in trouble for that, but there's a hand. They use the face, but there's a hand in there that's somebody else. That's a character in the film. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very, an interesting choice that we didn't use his face. So it, it's quite good at doing that with Rebecca and then with the babe. I mean, it was very, very good. Wow. So I like a bit of mystery too. And we often don't know. We try little things, you know, there were you know, characters that we, we've tried things with and, and we'll see as we go into the next one. This is making me so excited for part two. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been like such a fascinating discussion. I feel like 
the more I learn about this movie, the more I love it. And so thank you so much for talking to us today. For having me. Yeah, of course. So we end every episode by asking our guests, what is one thing that you are wild for right now? It's kind of a play on our title. It can be a movie, a TV show, a book, anything. What am I wild for? I've just, well, I'm in Spain, so I'm getting BBC Two, so I'm not helpful to you at all. <laughs> this. But if anybody watched BBC Two, it's a show called Chloe. I'm quite wild for. Uh, but I'm not helping you with that at all. I'm wild for Euphoria. Incredible. Finale tonight. Mm-hmm. I don't get it, so I can't. Oh, no. uh, okay. I have to, I'm going to LA this weekend, so maybe I'll see it this weekend. So you, I'm wild for that. Um, you know what I'm wild for? The movie Flea from Denmark. Oh, I'm wild nice. for Flea from Denmark, nominated for what? Documentary, international film, and mm-hmm. animated film. I'm wild for mm-hmm. Flea, Denmark, about Syrian refugees. That's what I'm wild for. Those are all all great things. I'll definitely have to check out Chloe as well, but agree with you about Euphoria and Flea. Okay, Flea. Um, have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. It was, mm-hmm. I, it was really special for me, especially with what's going on right now. Yeah. It's really mm-hmm. special. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course. This was great. I Again, I love Dune. I loved rewatching it. I watched it again yesterday, and I could again today now really? that we've talked about it so much. and. I think looking for the makeup was very interesting on my whatever watch it's been for me. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, you just think, boy, less is more. You know, what I've learned, I guess, is simple is hard. I mean, even within the Baron, you know, sometimes it's hard because the from the principal concept, there was so much more we could have done, like more gross. And it just felt wrong. And, And it's really hard to stick to your gun sometimes where you know, Denise good at that because I knew it was wrong and I did try a couple of things like with more like putting red hair on him and Mm -hmm. putting pustules like people said and I'm like no it just it doesn't work and I think it's it took a long time in my life to know when you know something is wrong you know you got to step away so I'm really glad you because it's hard and makeup it's very hard hair a bit easier but makeup is hard because there's a you can't have hair makeup and clo- and costume all at once hmm. i think you can have one or two elements but not all three at one time interesting yeah it's the thing i've discovered in the last few years is if something goes wrong it's like you have to have one or two things so with the baron like when he didn't have his clothes on which he loved i mean stella loved him, <laughs> it kind of worked because it wasn't necessary was it, it just mm. wasn't he didn't need it like the armor he did not need and it just kind of worked hmm. And he's terrifying in the movie, just as simple as that is. It worked really well, I think. I'm so happy to hear that. And Dave Batista, I think, is quite scary. Well, thank you so much again. Good luck come Oscar night, and we're, we're really rooting for you. Oh, thank you so much for that. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Of course. Right, thank Have you. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.